Welcome back to another episode of The Set Position. My name is Cole Orner and my co-host Zach Kruger. We do have two special guests on with us today. They're going to help us break down protecting the defensive first, third, I'm sorry, defensive third. And uh, we have um, our, one of our special guests is Nico Roros and we've got Mark Sappington back. So Nico, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself and uh, we'll get rolling from there. Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, real quick, Zach, you totally jinxed uh, Cole when you said he never messes up. <laughs> I just yep. had to say that because I was thinking I said he's been it. perfect for every episode of the intro, and then there he, yeah. just, he just got it. <laughs> yeah, just, just want to put that out there. But uh, thanks for having me, uh, former NJCAA goalkeeper out of Baltimore. Uh, I just finished up my senior year at Point Park University, uh, played U23s. Um, I'll be going to the Soccer Management Institute in Rome, and I'm also a coach for the uh, Coppermine Premier Ladies uh, CCL U23 Pro Team out of Baltimore. Very nice. Very nice. And Mark, let me go ahead and do another little introduction. I know we've had you on recently, but go yeah. ahead and introduce yourself again. Yeah, not a problem. I really appreciate you all having me back. Um, I enjoy chit-chatting with you all and, uh, you know, geeking out about goalkeeping a bit. Um, you know, uh, currently at Campbell University down uh, North Carolina, Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, a little south of Raleigh. Uh, previously, Slippery Rock University uh, and, and University of Scranton and, Univers and Shippensburg University. So I've bounced around Pennsylvania for the last decade or so. But, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this warm weather down south, though. So I'll take it. Mark, what did you think of that 88-degree uh, day that we had? What was it, Sunday? Yeah. I, uh, I, for a second, I, was, I forgot you're in North Carolina as well. <laughs> <laughs> the corona lockdown has got us to the point where I forget who, where everyone is. But, no, yeah, I, I loved it. And I, I spent the last two weeks in, uh, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, one day was 40 degrees, the next day was 50 degrees. And I come back down here and it's like strutting my stuff out, in the, out walking around <laughs> the neighborhood. It's like, I'll, I'll take this all day. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can tell, but it was like 65 and sunny today. Like, look how sunburned I am. Like, look at this. <laughs> Bad. Love it. I'm in Pittsburgh it. right now. It's 65 and sunny today, and I still froze. <laughs> I actually went to the store and bought some sunscreen just now. <laughs> you definitely needed it, there, Zach. I'm, it's hurting. I'm not gonna lie. It's definitely hurting. Definitely needed it. So let's go ahead and start this conversation off by talking about how systems of play can affect how you protect the defensive third. So, Mark, I'm gonna take you back to your time at uh, Slippery Rock here this past season, and you guys played. A three-five-two, and I think it was very successful for you. And I think part of that success is the way you defended that uh, defensive third. So, what? How did you find? In what ways did you um, coach the team and the goalkeepers to help protect that defensive third? Yeah, um, we. I'll start out. I'll start out by prefacing that I don't think we protected the defensive third in an ideal way. Uh, we, given our personnel and given uh, some situations surrounding that personnel, we had to adapt it slightly. But um, going off that, uh, we, we want our, from a goalkeeper standpoint, we want our goalkeepers connected to the back line. We want that, and what that means is, I actually, 
don't like the verb as much connected, but I like to say a part of. So we want them a part of that back line. Uh, and with that verbiage, what I mean by that is not only are we uh, they're supporting them, but we're integrated with that back line. We're communicating. We, as a goalkeeper, we see all the angles on the field at the deepest from the deepest position, so we can articulate whether you know what passes they have. We can be that drop for a switch. We can be that drop to bait in some forwards and play beyond them into the space they vacated. Um, so for, for, uh, from that standpoint, from protecting the uh, the defensive third in the space and behind in, in that three five two, we want our goalkeeper staying connected. We want our we want our back three staying connected, and because in, in that in that system, uh, you, you got to have some discipline. You can't you can't um, be getting too far up the field in one way or the other. Um, so the three five two, you know, you, you're protecting that space in behind um, through. Uh, keeping that back line organized. And that's also done through communication, right? So we're not, it's not just we're connected and a part of the back line. But we're also organizing that back line to become a shot preventer and not just, not just a shot stopper. Yeah. So Nico, build off of that. So what are you telling your players, your goalkeepers, your teams that you're working with to help protect that defensive third? Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, it kind of depends like uh, what team I'm working with. So each team I work with, like, whether it be the women's pro team or the pit club team, like my personnel is different. Who I have starting, who I have coming in off the bench. Um, so that kind of plays a variable into it. Um, also, who I'm playing, because especially like at the higher level, like, and so depending on who we're playing, then that'll kind of set up our formation, our game plan. If we're going to sit back a little bit, if we're going to kind of have a higher um, line of confrontation on the field so that kind of plays in the factor i like having a high line of confrontation just because that's how i've played the last couple of years with point park um i found it very useful and uh it, it's worked really well for us so that's my preference but you can't really have too much of a preference sometimes you have to have a bit of accommodation depending on the variables and i, I want to so for someone who might not know what do you mean by line of confrontation so line of confrontation is where you kind of um, – your defensive line first confronts the attacking line. So for us, when you break the field down in the thirds, you have your defensive third, your neutral third, and then your attacking third. We would mostly start our, like, step or defending, like, to a person at that uh, – between the attacking and neutral line on the upper end of the field. So kind of like three fourths from uh, our goal, just so like we kind of keep the end, we, we, we let them play out a little bit, uh, give them opportunity to kind of move the ball, possibly make a mistake, maybe hit it long and then we recover or we're able to just kind of step to them, force them to make a mistake and then have a turnover in that, uh, in that third. So it's placed a big advantage for us. Gotcha. So you're, you're looking to gain a turnover within that neutral third is where you're looking to hopefully win the ball and be able to start, start your attack. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, the way I play is one way. The way I coach is a different. Um, right. It just kind of depends. I've, I've, had a, I've had a Dutch coach the last few years, so uh, his knowledge has been fantastic. And as a player, I've learned from it uh, just from a player's perspective that's kind of helped me as from for my coaching point of view 
but going to like my um my college team that I coach well that I coach I'm not the coach anymore just because I'm moving um that that was completely different because it's between men's and women's the kind of pace of the game the level of the game um and the formation I used so like with uh Point Park we did like four one three two four four two some along those lines and sometimes we played really uh with my women's team I liked um a four three two one a lot just kind of made it a little creative yeah uh, so kind of depends yeah Nico I think that's a good point with the, the line of confrontation I think equally good point is you know the line of restraint where we're setting that back lineup um I think it's easily most easily seen when and during set pieces because everything's static every nothing's actually moving we actually see that 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 back line set up and how much space as a goalkeeper we actually have to cover but you know it's equally important to run a play depending on your style and, and if you're playing a low block a mid block or a high block where that restraint line is going to come into play and I think having the having the individual players on the same page and more, more importantly having that goalkeeper being able to communicate how we want to set up and how we want to defend is is equally important to protecting that that defensive third uh, being organized through that communication and, and I'm sure we can get into communication a little bit as this goes that continues to go but having everyone on the same page is like hey you know as soon as we hit that 18 we're getting stuck in there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Um, so I think that line of straight is key. Yeah. So, I mean, talking about that communication point, Nico, what is, what does a goalkeeper start telling their players? Let's start with that line of confrontation. What is, what is the goalkeeper telling their teammates um, for that line of confrontation? Where, what might they say? What types of communication are they using? Start from there. Yeah. Uh, for me, that, that kind of goes back into um, the coach's game plan, whether I'm the coach and I'm kind of given the pregame talk and like the style of play, how we're going to go into the game, what I would like to see, or if it's me as a player listening to my coach, um, that's kind of an extension of the coaching staff to an extent. So that depends like who we're playing that week. So for Point Park, we play West Virginia Tech and Rio Grande every year, and they're always in the top 10 in, uh, in the nation. So with those kinds of teams, like we, we go at them a specific way. So depending on how my coach wants to play that game that year. So from the extension of the coaching staff, just kind of listening to my coach, like it doesn't matter if the goalkeeper is a captain or not. Um, sometimes he says, okay, let's play a little higher. Then I'm going to step up a little bit. I don't usually play up too high because I'm a shorter goalkeeper, but those are those goalkeepers who are a bit taller, like the other goalkeeper that played alongside me this year uh, was six six. He could play up a little bit higher than I could just because when he would get back, he would be able to cover a little bit more ground and get that reach. Um, so that line of restraint, I, I personally like it probably right outside of the danger zone, um, just like peeking into that middle third. I like the outside backs kind of push up a little bit, a little bit, and become a part of the attack. Center backs kind of, um, kind of feel it out, depending on like what the comparative variables are for that specific moment. Just because the the game's made up of twenty two people on the field, and they kind of create the game. So you don't know what's going to happen, where the ball's going to be at any specific time. So it's kind of like just realizing where you are in what situation you're in. 
for that moment. Yes. Go ahead, Mark. Nico, I, thought, I think you made a, a great point about, you know, different – there's no cookie-cutter approach to goalkeeping. You know, there's like there's no cookie-cutter approach to coaching goalkeepers. Every goalkeeper's got the unique style, and that's going to dictate based off uh, attributes left and right. Um, but you said yourself as a shorter keeper, myself as well. So that vertical positioning, I think, is huge in, as far as protecting that that um, that defensive third in the space and behind the back line. Um, and, and I think it comes into play with being staying, staying a part of your back line. You know, if, if the other team's possessing and you're defensive third, is your vertical position, you know, two yards off your line versus seven yards off your line? And I think a lot of goalkeepers these days have – a great struggle with that vertical positioning, whether they are sitting two inches off their line the entire time and, and making, you know, Loris and Achoa like saves, like stretching out six, seven yards, or if they, or if they are five, seven, but they think they're six, seven, like Catois and they're, and they're, uh, you know, five, five, six yards off their line. Uh, I think it's interesting to see how many, goalkeepers nowadays are a bit too aggressive in my opinion off their line and they're getting beat over the top it's not like it's not that you know a bit lofted ball to the back to, to the crossbar because I mean, those goalkeepers are athletic and enough to drop step cross step and make that top hand save but from a standpoint of uh, that that drooping ball to the back post you know if you if you you see so many clips of that goalkeeper was two yards back it's a, it's a drop step and a top hand save, and it's not a big deal. Versus now they're trying to be so aggressive, cutting that angle off. So they're not they're, – they think they're cutting the angle off, but they're actually more no man's land. Uh, and I think that's, a, that's a, um, a difficult balance when you're talking about protecting the defensive third. Right, right. And I think – I mean, kind of going back to that communication point, I think, too, as a goalkeeper, we've got to figure out who we've got to communicate with first. Who's the most important person? And I felt like at times for me, especially if we were in a transitional moment in our attacking third where now we've lost the ball and now we're defending, my first thought was make sure that that forward and maybe the center attacking mid don't start running themselves ragged and pulling everybody else out of shape. So uh, hopefully I already had my defensive shape, my back four, however many I'm playing with back there in good shape prior to us turning the ball over. So now I can worry about that attacking person and make sure they're not running ragged and pulling us all out of shape. And I think, but I think it's important knowing the situation that you're in and looking at the shape of your team to know who you should first communicate with. Because it might be that my two attacking players aren't going anywhere, but my defensive shape is poor. So I've got to immediately get them organized to make sure that everything else now in front of them I can organize. So I think it's important with the communication piece that we are finding – the correct points of emphasis during those moments within the game. 100%. Um, communication, I think, I mean, this, this might be sound a little harsh when I say this, but a quiet goalkeeper in today's game is a worthless goalkeeper. You need to be able to talk. You need to be able to step outside your comfort zone and, and, and direct uh, and we can talk about a little bit about what that direction looks like as far as, you know, short, concise, and, and, and direct as far as what we're trying to get across. But I, I, think, I think you're 100% right, Cole, as far as, you know, what, 
our, where our range is with that communication. You know, we, we're not yelling 90 yards away trying to dictate the play of our 11, but if we can organize the five or six in front of us and then, and then, and then they can organize the five or six in front of them, that's what we're looking for. And I think, I mean, communications, it's, 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 it's drastic. It's, it's, it's the mo one of the most important things. And, and you, so you can start talking about all the little nuances as far as tone of voice and, and, and how you're saying, how you're saying the words and what your words are actually portraying and what your tone of voice is actually portraying. But just or keeping that organization in front of you, that back five is, is drastic. And, and it's a bit of, it's a bit of a, a change, a transition in my coaching uh, life as well, where I used to say, you know, address address the ball make sure the person putting pressure on the ball knows what's going on and then you work you find the next most dangerous scenario typically it might be a back post run it might be a run straight down the center and you're organizing that but more recently in my career i've kind of said to myself you know the people on the ball know what they need to be doing you know i don't need to tell them don't don't let it cross it they know don't let it cross it you know, so I can, I can simply make it a, a minimal statement and then boom, now we're going to the secondary threat. The primary threats for the most part taken care of, secondary, tertiary threats. And mm -hmm. I think so many goalkeepers can organize effectively early and prevent that shot later on. No, I totally agree with you, Mark. But just another thing kind of food for thought is like stemming from that communication and how you communicate with people is the type of relationship you have with like, your teammates or what type of relationship your goalkeeper has with his or her teammates just because if like I'm going to be that angry goalkeeper and just yelling all the time my defense is not going to listen to me they're just going to like wave me off and call it a day if it goes in it's on me it's on the keeper no big deal have a good uh, relationship with them then we're going to work together more cohesively as a unit and kind of get stuff done in a like more uh, useful way for that match Right. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge advocate of the of working with the spine of the field. So if you're going to start with the goalkeeper, then you move up to your center backs and up to your holding mid. And I kind of use those anchor points as a way to teach protecting that you know, defensive third. And to me, the holding mid position is critical to the success of protecting the defensive third. Um, they're almost like an, another leader on the field, just like you would say a center back would be. And, and as you work your way up to the center part of the field, but I really think the holding mid position is that it's first person. Hero. What? I said it's the, it's the unsung hero of the, of the, of the field. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I always, I always think of the, as the holding mid as like the first enforcer of the defensive third. You know, they're not going to get any glory, but they're going to be the first ones that they make contact with somebody or they're the first one to slow something down. They dictate a lot of how we slow teams down and how we can control things. Um, yep. as, what are some coaches, as college coaches, how often are you, do you have circled that if they have a good holding mid, that's known, right? Your scouting report, yep. like that, that's the person that's going to be starting out their attack or preventing our attack. Yeah. Yep. And if you have a poor holding mid, how devastating that can be to when you go to defend another team. In my opinion, it's critical. And if you don't have a good holding mid, you know, you better have really good center backs behind them to make up for that, which is which is difficult um, as you as you get to a higher level. Um, 
But I, I think, you know, the question is, what are some different ways and tricks that you guys have used a holding mid or worked with a holding mid to kind of dictate the play and how we want to neutralize some things as they try to enter into our defensive third? I Nico, think, I mean, Mark, I don't care. <laughs> I'll go ahead and start this off. I think it's a lot of getting them to work side to side. It's a lot of side to side movement and not trying to get them too vertical up and down the field and trying to, I think for the defensive center mid, I think it's a lot of trying to get the ball going in a direction that we feel is going to be beneficial for our team to defend. And I think that's huge. If they can lead that charge to kind of get things going in the right direction, that's what we're looking for um, from that center defensive mid. And I think, Ultimately, we want them to be strong and hopefully maybe get up and win some headers, um, win the ball in the air. Um, but I think just to be confident, to get stuck in, I mean, put some pressure on it. You might not have to win a ball, but getting tight to some to a set center attacking mid, to a center forward checking back in, get tight and create some pressure to cause some issues on them as they're going forward. You might not win it, but now you're forcing them to play back and hopefully as your team's working back to defend, there's that back pressure hopefully helping to win the ball. I think is, I mean, ultimately they're just looking to slow down play as much as they can before it gets to that back four, back three, back five, whatever it might be. No, I totally agree, Cole. Um, with, with that, that comes from chemistry and just working as a unit and then just moving side to side with that cover, cover, pressure, cover balance, excuse me, side to side, up and back. If you need to kind of like retreat a little bit, pull back a little bit. If you're going to press up a little bit, press up. I think just that kind of works from that center part, just like the spine does. So um, I, I totally agree with you. And that kind of just gave me like a little bit of a brain brainstorm there. Yeah, I think that roll to six is huge. Um, that roll to six is huge. Uh, as far as, you know, buffering on the ground and through the air. I mean, I want my six buffering in front of that, that back line. They're, they're almost an extension of the back line and go, going forward into the, into the attack. Uh, and depending on how you play, that six, that six that starts out as your six, or the holding mid, I'm sorry, is not always going to stay there, right? Your, your, your eight might, might rotate into that holding mid. Your, you know, it might be a situation where your holding mid drops into your back line. So having that holding mid, having an understanding of multiple positions is, is huge. Um, and they should be buffering that play, that space in front of your back line as far as challenging for things in the air, uh, challenging for things on the ground. They, they, and if they can't directly win the ball, they're corralling the ball into a winnable area. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not, hey, you're my holding mid. I want you to get stuck in and, 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 and tackle all day long. Yeah. That, that is an aspect of it, but you should be able to dictate the, the flow of play of the other team. Uh, that's what a good six, in my opinion, is capable of doing. And from the defensive side, we're not just talking about the offensive side of the six. But um, And lastly, I mentioned a little bit, a six can't be afraid to get stuck in. You know, they got to be willing to, to get to get to nitty-gritty, whether it be battling in the air or battling on the ground and and – Similar to a, a, what I think a good center back can do is, you know, put the fear of God in those in those forwards and those those attacking mids coming at you. You make them think twice about, hey, we we don't need we shouldn't be going through the center of the park with this with this person on the field. Yeah, right. So obviously we've kind of talked about the communication and working with some of the other players on the field, but 
So as a goalkeeper, obviously, we hope that our communication is good enough that we can organize everything that we may not even be seeing a shot at all, and we can get, it, we can get a turnover and, and get going and start our attack from there. That's obviously everybody's hope as a goalkeeper. We're, we're proactive goalkeeping, shutting things down before they ever even happen, and now we're maybe just getting a little dribbler through. We're, we're not even seeing the ball, and now we're helping start, start the attack and go the other way. But let's say now the ball has broken through. Are we as a goalkeeper, Mark, you brought it up earlier, staying connected or um, being a part of that back line. So we're, we're staying connected. What does that look like? What might be your distance? And then what are you doing as part of that? Let's say a ball's come through. Are you coming to get it? Are you waiting for it? Are you kind of let it run through? How does that decision-making – how do you make that decision on what's the best, best thing to happen? I think it's a hundred. I think it's a hundred. I mean, the easy answer is a hundred percent. situational. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to it's going to be a hundred percent different if that team is on the counter, if that team the team coming at you is in possession building. If you're in possession building, what that looks like as far as staying connected. Um, so, you know, just giving a scenario, your team is in possession and they're in your own attacking third they lose possession and a counter starts. Your back line is at, you know, just about half line. Your, your deepest center back might be at the half line. I want my goalkeeper a good 10 to 15 yards outside their box. I want them feeling comfortable of being there. So now we lose possession in that attacking third. They have to be reading the cues of the play. It's not just, oh, we lost possession. I have to run back to my line now. Um, they have to read the threats. So if, and it's going to be dictated off the style of play of the opponent. If that opponent's super direct, I might be telling my keeper to chill out there a little bit. Because that, that, that big ball's coming, and you might be able to clear it out or possess it back out before any, any, any severe danger happens. If that seems highly possessive, I might be telling them, hey, watch the buildup of the play. And you're not just watching the ball. You're watching secondary and tertiary threats off the ball. And now you can start seeing, oh, that's, a, that's an issue over here on the weak side. I need to start dropping back in a bit more. So it's, it's extremely situational what that looks like as far as staying a part of the back line. Yeah. And I think you um, I mean, made a good point with the situational piece. I think it's, it's huge. We have to read the game. We have to know when the right situation is to stay a bit higher, when we have to drop in. And I think so many times we see goalkeepers just turn and retreat immediately because we've lost possession. They think, oh, crap, the ball's coming. The only way for me to be a good goalkeeper is to get back on my goal. Well, no, stay, read the situation, as you said, and then make a decision from there. I think a lot of younger goalkeepers are looking for the, uh, and looking for the black and white, but so many so, – soccer is constantly played in the gray, and you have to be able to read and adjust on the fly. And anticipate on the fly. Yeah. Know your range too, as a goalkeeper. Like, don't don't be flying out and thinking you're Emmanuel Neuer when you, you don't have that type of athletic ability too. You know, I think your knowing your range is also important to that that decision process. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. No, so I mean, the the only other thing that I can think of, like when we're when we're chatting about this, is that like when we're a coach and we're on the sideline and we start to see that breakdown take place. Uh, in that counterattack, I think it's like an oh crap type of moment. Like we all know that feeling, and it's quite possibly one of the worst feelings in the world. But I think what when are you're you, a goalkeeper, you what also are you yelling from the sidelines, Zach? 
during that half, when you see that breakdown happening, what are you yelling? <laughs> a drop? Slow it down. Just slow it down. Just slow it down. Yeah. There's sometimes, though, man, you can't even say anything. It's like, oh, God, here we go. Here it comes. Like, you just kind of know. And, like, I think that's one of the worst things, like, from being a, now a coach that was a goalkeeper, I think that that feeling comes so much quicker and that yeah. sense of being able to read when there's a breakdown earlier up in, and higher up the field. And I think that's critical to, you know, educating our goalkeepers to be able to have that sense. And when they notice a breakdown earlier, how much does that help them be able to, um, you know, find a solution to, to maybe fix it? you know, and then relaying that information, like we've been talking about with communication. But I think when you have that perspective as a coach, you can teach their goalkeeper to read that type of situation when they see that breakdown. I think you'll see a ton of growth in that goalkeeper in their development from, you know, their freshman year of college all the way through. You can also talk, say the same thing from a, from a youth standpoint. Let's just say from like U12 to U18. You know, if you're teaching them how to read those breakdowns at a very early stage and how to, you know, hey, outside back, pinch in, cover that space so you can't get split between the center back and an outside back, you know, let's just say like the weak side. So like, I just think that when you can teach those cues, like Mark, what you're saying, teaching the cues, I think you see a ton of growth, especially when your goalkeeper is a sponge and they just love that information. I think that's critical to, to getting a goalkeeper to go from like being good to being really good. And I, I think that's a very uh, good place that, you can start to see some separation, not just being a shot stopper, not just being able to, to kick a ball far. At that point, that's when it starts to change. That's when you start to become a better goalkeeper. One thing I, I, I love that you talked about in transition because I think that is one of the hardest times to organize, but it is one of the most important times to organize. Mm -hmm. If you can address slowly, I mean, slowing that pre the, the, the transition down, putting that pressure on the ball – and then as a goalkeeper, you get your head on a swivel and start seeing the secondary and tertiary threats and addressing them early rather than addressing them when it's inside your box. You're preventing that attack early on. And we now – we talked about it already, and I've heard it in other episodes. You're being a shot preventer instead of a shot stopper. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one big point I, I'd like to make, and I've touched on it a little bit already, is tone of voice. Yeah. Uh, you know – you have a lot of goalkeepers, young and old, that on a scale from one to ten, on importance of what their voice sounds like, everything's a ten. It, it is, it is, you know, drop, down. you know, everything is a ten out of ten as far as intensity. And what I tell keepers a lot of times is, if everything's a ten, if or if everything's important, nothing is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what you're doing as a goalkeeper. If you're if you're making everything a life or death situation, nothing is actually important. So as a goalkeeper, we have to we have to develop that tone of voice where sometimes it's just me talking to my back line loudly enough so they can hear me. Other times it's me getting that little bit of fire coming out of my voice and saying, "Hey, that's got to be a step there." You know, and using that tone of voice effectively to, are, to indicate importance is huge. Like. My primary threat, if it's an actual threat, the person on the ball, and, and there's not pressure on the ball, I'm going to be freaking out. There's got to be pressure there. Secondary threat, hey, pull in here. Tertiary threat, hey, we see this person running in. 
each one becomes a little less um, intense, but they're still equally important. And I think, Nico, you went on, you talked about that earlier as far as if you're just running around screaming, no one's actually paying attention to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I totally agree with that. But, like, there's one other thing to kind of keep in mind with that is that even if, like, your coach and your goalkeeper does that, does make that mistake, I wouldn't go off on them right after the game because no, just, no, no. just because they made that one mistake, like they can't do things correctly unless they learn from it. Like it's one thing to watch Manuel, Man, Manuel Neuer on TV and say, oh, you got to play like him. No one can play like him because they're not him. Your, your, your keeper is your keeper as an individual. They have to make their own mistakes. They got to see themselves make their mistakes in the film. Uh, analysis and, and go from there in order to fix it and become a better keeper, a better individual, and just have their soccer IQ grow a little bit. So I think those situations where they do things correctly, I think that's amazing. But I think the bigger growing points are when they make those little mistakes, especially early in the season, then they can kind of fix it throughout the season. You can kind of see the progression uh, going into like the final like part of the season, playoffs, nationals, wherever you're at. Yeah. Nico makes a good point of like the film piece to this, yeah. you know, these coaching points for something like this is, is critical when you do it through film and you do that at a later point and you prepare to really teach them a layered coaching point. It's not just the, Hey, you need to be here. No, it's you need to be here because this can happen. And then you got to te teach them the next layer, which is the, the back line. Then the next layer, which is the holding mids. And, and then the next layer, which is the, you know, your, your center mid or your attacking mid. You know, I think that if you have that layered approach that U.S. soccer definitely harps on in their licenses, if you can hit that layer of why, answer the why, why am I doing this? Why are we structuring things a certain way? You teach that to your goalkeepers. I think that the layered approach gets more development out of your goalkeeper and they can pick up on those things more than you just trying to, like like Nico just said, like hammering on them in the moment. You're yeah. going to get more out of them if you, if you layer this together. And you hit on multiple things, not just one, but the systematic approach of things. Right. But I think, I think it's important to note, too, that if you do have a goalkeeper that's just constantly yelling, at the end of the day, that's not an overly bad thing because at least they're communicating. We can, oh, yeah, we can work with that. We can work with that and kind of reel it back and figure out the right times. And I, and I found that even there's times that I've, I've stepped into a training session and been a voice for one of my goalkeepers just so they could hear what I'm looking for. And I think sometimes that helps stick with these goalkeepers a little bit better than you trying to explain it to them. If they can hear it, I think it, it does a, a world of good for a lot of these goalkeepers and it helps them better understand what, what's needed in different situations. So I think at the end of the day, I mean, I have a goalkeeper like that. I'm, I'm happy. And I can just, I just know that there's some things I can work with to help make them better and, and find that tone um, in different, in different situations within the game. So that's one of those things that, like, when I used to, you know, work with the goalkeepers all the time, and I don't do it as, as much because since I'm a head coach now, but, you know, that was one of those things that I, I just kind of hung out down by their goal while they played small side, small sided mm -hmm. stuff. Like, let's just say we're playing 5v5, you know, just standing down there next to their pose, listening to them. And then if you need to instruct, you're just kind of talking with them. Like, hey, let me just talk this one. And then you try to use some of those yeah. words that I'm using. Or, you know, it's, it's more conversational. It's not like you're, coming at them or anything but it's very uh kind of in the flow of the game and because obviously the game's the best teacher so as the game is going on and, and you know you're playing that small side of game or whatever you're doing it's just standing down there hearing what they're saying 
giving them some feedback. Hey, try these words, try those words, you know, in, in this, in these situations. And, um, this is where you can be, can be a little louder. Here's where you can be a little bit softer. Those conversations go a long way. Definitely. You know, your goalkeeper then feels like someone cares about them, you know? Right. Well, I think we can go ahead and kind of, I think this has been a great conversation. I think it's really been great to kind of dive into the protecting this defensive third. And it's, I mean, I, I think we could go on for hours and hours and hours about different situations and how to handle these things. But I want to wrap this up with kind of one last question here. What would be your, Nico, we'll start with you. What would be one piece of advice you would give to a goalkeeper really trying to, to hone in on that part of their game where they are protecting that defensive third? Uh. My little bit of advice is don't become arrogant thinking you know everything because that arrogant overall makes you ignorant to the point where you, you're kind of a know-it-all. And just because you're at that point, you're not able to kind of listen to other people, especially your coaches, in order to kind of help fix those mistakes. So just kind of be a little bit more humble, a little bit more open-minded, and that will kind of open up new doors in order to make you a better goalkeeper but also a better person. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, I think uh, I've said it a couple times already. I, as a as a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper coach, can we be a can we be a shot preventer and not a shot stopper? And that yeah. and we've talked a lot about that communication aspect this evening, and I, I think that's huge. If you can organize the play in front of you and dictate the attacker's play, now they one they might not even get a shot off, or two if they do get a shot off, the only angle you've allowed is the one that's coming right at you. I think if you can organize the front, the front five or six players in front of you, then now the only the, – you've dictated the play of the, uh, the attack to the extent that you're not having to make a big save. You've done your job effectively enough of protecting that back third. And now as a goalkeeper, we can start that counterattack. Yeah. Is that yeah. anything for you to add? Yeah, man. Uh, to me, it's if you're going to be playing a certain system as a goalkeeper, I think you need to make sure that you understand that system that your team is playing in front of you. You can prevent so many things farther up the field if you understand that system of play. Yep. Whether whether you, you like that system of play or not doesn't matter. I, I think some goalkeepers have that opinion of, well, I don't like a four four two. Or I don't like a three five two. Like, eh. like okay, well that sucks. But that your coach wants you to play this system because it's going to be successful for your team and those players. So buy into it, study it, and then be able to be effective in those moments of transition that are so critical. Yeah, and I think beside beside the coach, I think the goalkeeper has got to be one of the most knowledgeable players on the field with that oh, sort absolutely. of stuff. They they have to almost know every single player, every single position, and understand that part of the game so they can. As Mark, as you said, we can be a proactive goalkeeper and prevent things from happening and not we're not making the saves and being a shot stopper, I think is huge. And then yeah. Nico, obviously just having that open mind is that kind of built on there. Just having an open mind and realizing there's so many different ways to approach this game. And there is, and Mark, you said it perfectly earlier, this is a gray sport. There's no black and white. There's so much gray within this sport that we've gotta we've gotta work within. So yeah. but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a coach, make sure that you teach the why, and if you're a goalkeeper, make sure you know the why. Yeah. Be a student of the game. Yes, yep. yes. Well, Nico, Mark, we really appreciate the two of you joining us and and talking about this topic. So, thank you both. Stay safe, and uh, hope all's well with the rest of the spring for you guys. And uh, appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, of course, Zach, as always, I appreciate the help. And thanks for joining us on this episode of The Set Position.